Welcome to Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips and Scott Smith here. And as always, we love taking all of your thoughts, comments, questions, and using those on the show. So make sure you go over to the Facebook page if you're not already watching on there and comment under our live video. And we'll try to get to as many of those questions as we can. So while we give people a chance to start sending those in, big news of the week, the change at quarterback or the announcement at quarterback mm -hmm. uh, for Carolina. So just your initial thoughts on what that's going to mean for this team going into a very important divisional game. Seems like we have one of these big announcements every <laughs> couple weeks, doesn't it? We had the defensive Keeps coordinator Keeps things thing. lively for us, you know? Yeah, so as everybody obviously already knows, um, Dirk Cutter didn't decide to hold on to the mystery throughout the week and told everybody on Monday that he has decided that Ryan Fitzpatrick will go back to starting. This comes after Jameis Winston's four interception performance in uh, Cincinnati that got him pulled late in the third quarter. And when Ryan Fitzpatrick came in, he did well. Now, if you look at the numbers of these two guys and you look at our overall offensive numbers, you can see that both James Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick are fully capable of moving this team up and down the field and of throwing touchdown passes. The difference, rather obviously, is turnovers. And Jameis has 10 interceptions in about three and a half games. And you just can't win that way. Does that mean Jameis Winston won't ever rebound from this problem no but right now when it happens week after week it's it's kind of a pretty obvious decision to be honest with you you've got two guys that are fully capable of moving this offense and one of them is stuck in some inter, uh, some turnover problems and you just you can't keep going on that way right yeah for now at least that's a great point um Jay already wanted to talk a little bit about the defense as well, so I know we'll come back to this. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of questions uh, about the quarterback situation, so I'll go ahead and get Jay's question in here. He says, uh, what needs to happen for the defense to improve? Well, it already has. It already has. And um, you saw that, obviously, in, this, in the Cleveland game. And in the second half at Cincinnati, it was actually really, really good, You know, except for that final drive. And you know great players like A.J. Green are going to occasionally make great plays. But other than that, they were – practically they didn't practically give up nothing the entire second half now you can't just wash away the first half that happened and they had 307 yards in that half but um th what's going to need to happen for the bucks to more consistently put up uh good defensive results and going to go right back to what we we're just talking about is turnovers right. we're just not getting any at all i mean we are negative 13 i believe in turnovers and we have one in the last four games uh and that was on special teams the defense has not created a turnover since the first quarter of week three, which is almost, I mean, I'm hard not, to do yeah, in some ways. Yeah. I'm not even necessarily commenting on how good or bad they are at that. It's just amazing. The, the luck just isn't even there that so much about turnovers can be fluky of a tipped pass here or there. And are there guys in the area where exactly. it gets tipped to that? It's just so yeah. frustrating. I had Carlton Davis on the radio show last night and I asked him about this idea of, are they as fluky as, as we kind of think they are, you know, how much can you guys be mm -hmm. striving? Right to improve on turnovers. And he said, yeah, interceptions are not something that you can typically be like, okay, we're going to do this and this to get more interceptions. And lead to an interception, right. right. But he said that they could do a better job of trying to make plays on the ball to force fumbles. Yeah, that's And true. so he was saying that's something that he thinks that they've been working a lot on and that is going to be an even bigger point of emphasis because you can't control the interceptions as much wow. that they're going to be really trying very hard to make plays on the yeah, ball more. Yeah, well, five of our six turnovers are fumble recoveries. And one guy who's really, really good at that is Levante David. And he told me once that there is some I don't know, science or technique to it. One of the things, in, for instance, that he always tries to do, and I actually saw him try it in this last game, he just didn't quite get his hand in there in time, is an, a running back is going to, when he's about to hit the ground, he's a foot or two off the ground, he instinctively is going to take one hand off the ball and, and put his hand on the ground, and that's when Levante tries to punch it out at that moment. He obviously has done that many times in his career and is very good at that, and I'm sure he and the coaches have shared that with Carlton and all the young players. So it's good that they'll be trying that, but even then, 
you can't count on it. Right. You know? And plus, interceptions tend to, I mean, if you get an interception, there's a much better chance you're going to have a chance to return it. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes you see fumbles return, but lots of times it's just a big scrum and you want to make sure you fall on it, right? Right. You catch a turn, you catch a interception on the run like they, uh, the Bengals did to us on their last one, and you might score. Mm-hmm. So you, I agree, and obviously he would know better than I. There's no, hey, if we do A and we do B, we're going to start getting more interceptions. But the coverage can be tighter. The pass rush can be more effective. It hasn't been bad, but it can be more effective and cause some um, – errant passes or right. some hurried passes or some bad decisions and all that to, can create can increase your opportunities maybe for interceptions you know what i'm saying right and then also you're absolutely right about the tip passes thing i mean there was one in cincinnati where it looked like three of our guys might have a shot at it and it just kind of falls right in between all of them and they're all diving for it but we throw a, an interception or we throw a pass off a guy's helmet in the end zone and it, it goes straight up in the air like a infield pop-up right. with four defenders around so it's that part is definitely fluky and it would be nice to see luck change in our direction a little bit that would be very handy uh chris wants to know if you think there are any chances of us trading Jameis. i feel uh, like we had to that i've seen so many different qu- versions of a of trade questions in general which we always like to give the <laughs> caveat that we can't really speculate about other teams individual players because right. we do work for the team so i always like giving that caveat but he asked about us trading Jameis, and yeah. I wanted to hear your well, thoughts. No, because the trade deadline is today at 4 o'clock, and you just decided to make this move, and you didn't say, or Coach Cutter didn't say, didn't specifically say this is permanent. And by permanent, I mean the rest of this season. Um, he said, and he didn't, you know, and, and of course this doesn't necessarily mean it has to be with the Buccaneers, but he does believe Jameis will get another chance and he can succeed in the NFL. And you also might be thinking long term. I mean, how long are you going to have Ryan Fitzpatrick, how long does he want to keep playing? That sort of thing. So I, f- I would find it hard to believe that between the decision – I mean, you still started him on Sunday. That was two days ago. Right. You started James Winston. That was the guy you wanted in there. Now, because of what happened, as of Monday, you made the decision to switch at least for this week and probably more than that. Uh, but is that enough time for you to decided completely on how you feel about his future with the team? It doesn't seem like it to me. Right. So I would be very surprised. Very surprised. Um. We had a question about the the rumors that came out before the game about Deshaun Jackson uh, wanting a trade, and now we have some questions asking if Fitz starting would seemingly change that. And now, granted, of course, we don't know the the rumors of that, of the truth to right. the idea of him wanting a trade, so we want to preface it with that, that we do not have information yeah. on that. But uh, I think the larger idea is, are there certain guys that now we can expect to see more from or less from mm-hmm. with the quarterback switch of yeah. who are the guys that really we could see a big game from in Carolina guys and maybe because of the different guys that they seem to have chemistry with. Uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of the people, especially playing fantasy out there, would love some some thoughts on who we can sure, expect to yeah, have right. some uh, some big and well, smaller games. Yeah, th- to start with the Deshaun Jackson trade rumors, which I don't believe he confirmed. And, right. and on the day of the game, both Dirk and, and Jason Light said they had no knowledge of that. So, but the point is moot because uh, Jason has subsequently said that Deshaun's going to be here for the rest of the year. Right. So it's really a moot point. If we ever find out if he really did ask for that or not, it's, it doesn't matter so it's because it's not going to happen. Right. At least to take um, Jason's one statement at face value on that. Uh, yeah, you know, obviously Deshaun uh, has had more success when – Fitzpatrick's been in there on the deep ball. Although, as you saw, Jameis did hit him on that 60-yarder. I mean, I w- if I were Deshaun, I'd be, I would have been feeling good about that. I'm like, maybe we got this figured out. Uh, but I bet you he's happy. I know he – I think he 
came out and said towards the end of that first run for Fitz that Fitz should remain the starter. So I imagine that he's happy. And and whether or not that 160-yarder from Jameis was a sign that it was going to start working out between them, we already know that it's working out between Fitz and Deshaun. So, I, you know, we're putting ourselves in his shoes here. I don't want to speak for him. Right. But theoretically, it would make sense that he would feel good about this move. Uh, you know, the guy on the flip side that seems to get more when Jameis is in there than, than uh, Ryan is Cam Brake. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just kind of the way it's gone. I don't, know, I don't in any way believe that Ryan Fitzpatrick is trying not to share the Harvard glory with his former or with his fellow Harvard guy, mm-hmm. uh, but it just has worked out that way. Otherwise, you know, I think everybody, Mike Evans and OJ and Chris Godwin, they've all been producing, and Adam Humphreys, no matter who's in there. Right, yeah, that's a great point. Um, we I do think Ryan Fitzpatrick would be a good pickup in fantasy right now. It's very true. Uh, Matt asked this question. I've seen several other people ask it. Just in general, we talked about specific. Somebody asked about Jameis potentially being traded, but Matt just said, do you expect us to make any moves today? I've yeah. seen several people asking the generic do we make moves right. today? I, I'm sure that anybody who's watched this before will probably get tired of me saying the same thing to start with when it comes to trades. They're not that common. They do happen, but they're not. If you divide them by 32 teams, how many teams actually make moves, and then how many of those moves are actually impactful? You know, I can't think of – I don't think I can think of one that we've made in, in an attempt to go for it, you know, trading for somebody that really made a difference. I mean, one year we were having – we were a playoff contender and we were having all kinds of problems with running back injuries and we got Michael Bennett, not the Michael Bennett defensive end, but a running back, and it didn't really end up making much difference. Right. So we have – I do think one thing you can do impactfully at the trade deadline is if you're a seller and you can get something for a guy that maybe was going to leave at the end of free agency anyway. So there are opportunities out there, particularly because there have been two teams that have clearly demonstrated, the Giants and the Raiders, that they are willing to trade guys and that they're in a rebooting mode. Mm-hmm. And whether they want to say it or not, they're clearly doing so, especially the Raiders. So uh, like you said before, because we're team employees and, and we talking about speculating about guys coming here that are under contract elsewhere is technically tampering. I'm not going to say specific names. Right. But, yeah, I mean – I usually say, eh, I don't think it's possible, but I think it's possible. I still think the chances are pretty low, but I do think it's possible. You could um, you could maybe make a move at corner or safety or linebacker, although um, we, we need to wait and see what happens with Kendall Beckwith. If he returns to practice and is possibly coming back to the roster, I'm sure you'd prefer to get a guy, a middle linebacker type guy, who already knows the system mm-hmm. over bringing in somebody different. So we could end up getting help from within there. Uh, I want to hear your answer on this. I think this is interesting. I've heard a few people debating it. Tim asked, what about a quarterback by committee approach? Yeah, that doesn't work. And, and in any way. And why, in general, why is that? I think it's an interesting. You, you've heard the phrase before. If you, yeah, if you, if have, you have three quarterbacks, you have, no, you have quarterbacks. no quarterbacks. Right. I just think that's interesting. Well, you know, you do quarter. I could see, you know, in college, I think some of it has to do with a guy maybe having seniority, but the young guy is is better and they're trying to figure out when to make that transition. Uh or you have two different styles. And, you know, you could have, I suppose, like if you were Baltimore, maybe you'd use Lamar Jackson when you wanted to use some packages that involve more running than Joe Flacco. But both of our guys tend to move around better than you would expect. Because J- Jameis, people don't think he's a good runner, but the numbers kind of show that he is pretty decent. Right. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is, what, 35 or something? So you think, oh, he's going to slow down. But he's running the ball well, too. They both seem to be able to make all the throws still. So I'm not sure stylistically what would be the difference to make you want to platoon. Why would you want to do that? Right. And yeah. you want your guys to get in the flow of a game. 
Right. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, Nick asked, what is the severity of Vita's injury? That was sort of an interesting yeah. thing that came out of the press conference. Yeah, we don't know the exact severity, and we'll find out on Wednesday when we see what his practice status is, but uh, we know it's good news. Mm -hmm. um, it was funny the way Dirk, putters, Dirk Cutter put it in his press conference. He said, I think it's the first time in history that an MRI result has come back with positive news. Right, yeah. You know, so uh, that's not totally true, obviously, but you do – when doctors are so good – at an initial um, evaluation of what the injury could be. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, they can tell, just do a little wiggle with the knee and go, mm, I think your ACL's torn, we right. gotta get an MRI, and then you go get the MRI and your ACL's torn. This time, I think there was some fear that he had a significant injury, maybe an ACL, right. and the MRI showed that's not the case, and Dirk said he was moving around well on uh, Monday, so all that is good news, and we'll find out just how good on uh, Wednesday, but everybody seemed pretty up upbeat about it. Right, which is uh, a great point. Um, Matthew wanted to know, do you think we'll get to see Ryan Griffin get some action this season at all? I don't think so. Um, I, You know, only if the season went down the drain, you know, which we obviously don't want to happen. Right. Uh, you know, Dirk has consistently said the only thing that Ryan's lacking is experience, but that's kind of a catch-22 because how do you get that guy experience? when he doesn't have it already and you don't want to go to the inexperienced guy. But, um, you know, this team, believe me, the, nobody upstairs or in the coaches office locker room has given up on this season. It's, it's three and four with more than half the season to go and four division games to go, right? So there's no reason to give up on this season. And when Ryan Fitzpatrick has shown that he can get the job done, what would actually be the point of going to Ryan Griffin? Right. Now, maybe if we lose six games in a row and we're three and ten, ask again. Right, maybe. yeah. Um, Abel asked if, are we going to see Joe Dirt play, meaning Riley, Riley Bulla? Uh, do you feel like he's somebody we brought back after those linebacker injuries? Do you think he's going to end up playing it's a, a decent, part here? It's a decent question because you, you, you started your response to losing Quan by moving Darius to the middle and Devontae Bond to the strong side. And I don't think that Devontae Bond played a whole lot in that game. I'd have to look at the snap counts, but we were in nickel for a very large part of that game. Right. Uh, so I'm not sure there's been enough evaluation yet on those two guys to decide that is or is not the answer. So um, you could conceivably see them try Devontae Bond for a couple games, and if they don't like how it's going, try Riley Bulla there. Again, though, that strong side linebacker role isn't a really huge role in the defense. So at the moment, I don't think so, but it's certainly within the realm of possibility. Now, as I mentioned, if Kendall Beckwith can come back, that kind of pushes everybody down the depth chart a little bit. Okay. Uh, we had another question asking if we noticed any difference in the defense, even if it's small, with Duffner as defensive coordinator. Well, he said that they have simplified it, and they actually started that the week before Duffner took over for Mike Smith. But that appears to be helping somewhat, the young cornerbacks with the simplified coverage options. Um, so there's that. I think, in general, the coverage has been better. The, the, otherwise, it's just the stuff you can't quantify. Like the guys are saying they're they're playing hard every play, that kind of thing. So does it look like it to you on TV? Does it look like it to me? A little bit, maybe, but it's impossible to quantify. Right. All right. Well, thank you for being with us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. We're back here every Tuesday at noon taking all of your questions. Make sure to tune in every week. We'll see you next time.